Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Rank Up, an on-page SEO podcast where we talk about technical SEO, content optimization, search engine news, and much more. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Gary, and I'm joined once again by my regular co-host, Ed Wilson. Are you still doing all right, Ed, into lockdown number three? <laughs> I am, although I did have a, a combination of noodles and shreddies for lunch, um, not together, separately, of course, but you, say, you could say I'm completely ready for this podcast now, well, uh, well nourished, just ahead of it. <laughs> I did immediately get an image in my head of shreddies with noodles then, and yeah. I was wondering how on earth that was possible. <laughs> it was uh, noodles for the main and shreddies for dessert. That's As, oh, you know, shreddies are sweet, aren't they? So yeah, exactly. need, needs must. Yeah. But I think that probably sums up this January, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Well, hopefully. But I mean, by the time this airs, it'll probably be in February. And um, we may be a little bit closer towards the end. Who knows? Fingers crossed. Um, Rick, on that note, I'm not sure if you can if you can follow Noodles and Shreddies with any particularly exciting lunch stories. But how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately not. I'm a big fan of hummus. That's That tends to be my, uh, my go-to for lunch at the moment. I, I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Yeah, all right. I think all right is the is the word at the moment. Getting on. <laughs> yeah, I, I sympathise. I sympathise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all used to it now, aren't we? And as I said, hopefully the end will be in sight, but but we'll have to see. <laughs> um, but yeah, I should I should introduce. Uh, I said introduce Rick briefly there, but this is Rick Rodriguez that we have joining us for the show. Uh, the ser- search director at Vashi. Um, so we're we're very excited to have you, Rick. Um, and we're going to be finding out plenty more about you as the episode goes. Um, but I just wanted to kind of set up your interview, really, by saying that we we met each other for the first time uh, doing the Authoritas Tea Time SEO webinar towards the end of 2020. Um, and your, can you remind me what your topic title was there, Rick? Because I've got it kind of got an idea written down, but I don't want to butcher it if you remember better than me. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're probably going to remember better than I do. Um, I was looking at, I seem to remember it was to do with um, how to figure out what your audience is looking for or, and um, something along those lines. I can't remember the exact wording, but I, I, it, was a, it was a great show. Yeah, it was, uh, it was all themed around user intent. So it was uh, Rick, myself and, uh, and another guy who were talking about uh, different areas of user intent. And Rick, the thing that kind of struck a chord with me as you were doing that was um, talking about a much more maybe user journey uh, focused approach to content rather than uh, maybe a more prescriptive keyword targeting sort of approach that might be more familiar to uh, a lot of people in SEO. Certainly that's that's more familiar to myself. Um, but what you were saying sounded quite different and, and quite interesting. So that was really that what that's what sparked the idea for this episode and what I'm hoping we can talk to you about a bit more. Yeah, um, it's a topic that I'm, I'm super interested in. Um, and there's been a lot of I think it's one of these sort of topics that a lot of people in SEO have very strong opinions about, and yeah. I, I dare say I have I have one too. But hopefully, uh, we can have a yeah you know, we, we can we can discuss it, and there's a, a few new ideas that people can think about uh, coming from this 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 conversation. Absolutely, well, strong ideas are what podcasts are made for. I think so. You're in the right place. Yeah. Um, but before we get into the main interview, I guess it'd be helpful just to have a bit more background about you uh, for people who might be hearing you for the first time. Um, so we we know you are the search director at Vashi, um, but can you give us a quick overview of of maybe how you got there and, and kind of what that means for you now? Yeah, for sure. So um, first things first, yeah, I'm search director at Vashi. Vashi are a fine jewelry uh, company. 
um, who, are, who are doing really cool, interesting things in the space. Um, I'm search director, which means my responsibility and my accountability is across paid search, organic search. I'm also um, overseeing our performance channels as well. So what, what's really cool is as someone that's come from an organic background, um, I'm now involved with things like our display marketing planning and our right. affiliate planning and, and all the work that goes into that. So um, it's meant that we can we can approach things in a very in a slightly different way, and um, it's been very it's been very exciting and very interesting about sort of some of the possibilities. And um, in terms of how I how I sort of got to Vashin and where I've come from, um, I, I'm predominantly an agency side marketer. I've yep. worked for small independent startups all the way through from sort of being employee number four at Three Whiskey all the way through to working for uh, Denso Aegis, you know, a couple of the brands in that that organisation. So mm. um, agency through and through. Um, I also spent a year. Uh, at Yext, who are a technology vendor uh, in the search space, who uh, and, and while I was there, I was um, effectively sort of their European evangelist. So, so yeah. going across Europe, talking to businesses, opening their eyes to the wonderful things that search can do for them. Nice. Well, that's it's quite the background. I mean, I was looking at your uh, at your sort of job history on LinkedIn, as I often do for guests, and it's it's certainly quite a uh, quite a storied background you've had with quite a few different agencies and different roles in there, which is which is really cool. Um, and I imagine that's kind of, you know, brought all sorts of different perspectives to the role that you're in now. Um, so I think we're, we're just going to launch in really, because I, I think some of what we're going to talk about is going to shine a bit more of a light on what it is you do uh, for Vashi and how that kind of shapes your, uh, your thinking now. Um, but to kind of get started, I think a way to set this up um, is to ask what it was like for you getting to grips with the SEO requirements for a site that you're now search director for in, a, in an industry that you know you've said before you were you were new to when you came to it um so how did that kind of start off for you yeah that's a great question um and i think this is this is relevant to certainly anyone agency side who you know you you get put on an account which suddenly you have to learn about the funeral industry because that's the sort of business you've got to work yeah. on or you've got to work on and then you go from funeral industry to i don't know mortgage companies and, and yeah. so you have to learn to adapt quite quickly um so yeah i mean the same same challenge with me I, I can't claim to know like to have been like a super expert on the jewelry industry like i bought jewelry before i thought i knew a lot turns yeah. out as with all different subjects, there's tons of tons of uh, information that, that's out there um, that you need to know loads about. Mm. Um, and I think for me, I approached it the same way as I, I tend to approach any of these challenges. Or I've, I've sort of learned to approach these challenges, which is um, I almost put myself in the mindset of the customer and then figure out what's out there. Mm. So let's take an example. I'm going to take mortgage as an example. And it's a really good thing to, you know, uh, just, just as a kind of a general example. Um, you might know nothing about mortgages. Um, and so the first thing you do is say, well, what would I do if I was in the state of mind that I needed a mortgage? Well, first thing I'd be doing is I'd be buying a new house. So I start with like, what do I need to buy a new house? And I look at what's in the search results. I start to piece things together, go to YouTube, all that kind of, you know, lots and lots of different places, start to piece yeah. these ideas together and build my, my knowledge up. And then you sort of start to refine. You really try and follow the rabbit holes as you can um, to, to figure more and more, more out. Mm. At the same time, you get to learn the industry and what's out there and the competitive landscape. And, and so, so you can do it with a mindset that you're trying to learn, but you can also... Um, sort of start get a head start on the competitor on sort of your competitor sets and and yeah. what really drives the market yeah i mean it sounds like you're approaching it almost from a, a joint view where you know you've got uh, there's a professional level to which you need to know stuff you know especially joining at vashi you need to do it to do the whole job or for an agency if you're going to provide good service you need to get a base level understanding of what you're working in um but in doing so you can actually replicate what 
just a, a user on the street or at home is doing um, pretty closely because you're having to do the same research, especially if it's if you're expecting it to be someone who doesn't know much about the industry coming into it, like with mortgages, as you said. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting point in terms of um, thinking like a customer, because I think as SEOs, we typically try and um, move away from that one size fits all in terms of strategy or approach to SEO, because we know companies obviously, or businesses function in so many different ways. And I think I've repeated, mentioned this time um, a few times on the podcast before, Ben, but when I've mentioned that uh, I was sent next to a friend when he was like shopping for a jacket and I automatically saw him go to image search and I thought, what yeah. the hell are you doing? why are you searching that way? And it's typically, <laughs> it's these things of like thinking like a customer or trying to get to know how a customer shops within that industry or looks to browse content in their industry gives you the kind of biggest quick wins, I think, in terms of how um, how you can get, you know, where to, to get that familiarity with that industry as well. Yeah. And, and I think it, um, there's a point here, and I think this is a great, I, the great the point you made around someone searching on image search rather yeah. than going to Google or directly to, yeah. to text search. I think that's a really important point. We think of search often as, um, as a search engine, and therefore we have a very clear view of what that output is. I, I think less of search as a, as a physical thing as the noun search and more mm -hmm. as the verb to search. Because if you think about it that way, search is ultimately where anyone can look for information and find it, um, yeah. which means it could be anything from traditional search engines and information retrieval systems like Google, Bing, etc. But but also a a, um, a third party, if we take the mortgage example, like a third party finance site like a yeah. competitor market is a search engine. Um, image searching your content in the example you gave is a great way of, of, of searching for clothing and seeing if things you like. Um, even some of these sort of, even YouTube is a great, I, I, seem, I can't remember the start off the top of my head, but for hotels and the travel industry, more people search on YouTube by a certain vector than, wow. than they do in Google because they want to see what the place is like. And pictures on, you know, don't, you, you can't fake a video as hard, as, as easy as you can fake a, a picture. You can make a picture from, take a picture from a certain angle, it's great, but you can't like, go into a room and video it in a certain way and also you know videos more like to have custom um uh, customer videos and like that so yeah it, it's more than just just sort of i, I think there's a point which is it's a mindset change from the yeah. noun the yeah. thing to the verb and how we how we react to that that's a really good point i think again but we discussed towards the end of last year is viewing like the importance of like improving your entity around your brand and things like that yeah. in that I think it's been this way for quite a few years now. It's just way more than just 10 blue links and understanding like the verticals around search now, not just those those news articles, those blue links that you do click, image, video, everything surrounding it. I think that's a really great point. Yeah. I'm going to go slightly off script here because I think this is, this is an interesting point to stay on um, at for least sure. at this stage. Just to say, what do we do with this strategically? Because what we're sort of talking about is just a big mess of behavior that is almost as well, it is as unique uh, to each individual person as anything can be. Um, I'm just, as you were speaking, I was just thinking of different ways that I search and thinking of um, kind of different hobbies that I have. So I'm, I'm massively into board games. Just think the way I buy them through search is such a weird user journey. I very rarely actually use kind of regular organic links, but use price comparisons and Google shopping probably primarily, even as an SEO, which sounds almost sinful to me. Um, but, it, you know, it's just, that's just one example of how yeah. every industry, every person is different. So, I mean, Rick, maybe thinking about your experiences, um, what, what, what do we do with that? Like, how do we make how do we make anything out of that that we can say we're going to have a strategy that's going to work for 
the majority of our customers, hopefully. Can we even say that? So I think this is, again, this is a super interesting topic because I think the brand version of this versus the agency version of this is quite different. Mm. Um, because when you think about it, I mean, you mentioned the word entity. I think that's a really, you know, and that, that clearly refers to, or at least in my mind, refers to the kind of concept that your brand is a thing in Google's knowledge graph. And Google has this brain at the heart of it that understands sort of the world in the way that we do. Um, really, you could replace the word entity with the word brand or the word concept or the word thing, because entity is yeah. quite a, a, you know, it's a broad descriptor. Okay. And I think that's the bit that matters. I think the thing, the thing I find with, with SEO, and certainly this was the way it was agency side and why it was so easy for me to move from agency to, uh, to, to vendor and now to brand, was actually, if you think about the role of SEO, ultimately doing great SEO is, is understanding user experience well enough to create an amazing site that's fast that everyone, everyone wants to spend time on. Yeah. Um, you, you, I'm sure you, you could sit down and go, right, there are 300 different points that we'd sit and talk about in our technical audit. But actually the 300 points even if you do it with the value, with the idea of driving SEO traffic, you're still doing it with the off benefit of improving user experience and getting people onto your site that, that want to stay there. Um, same with content. If you have information that's useful to someone, like you're not just going to be returned because you have an article that has these certain words anymore. We're way past that. Even if your article does have the words and you have to talk in the language that you use, it's like people have to find your information valuable because even if you're found, they bounce and they don't do anything for you. Um, so the value of that piece of content forget to search engines but to the business is very different mm. um, so the reason why i bring this back to this point of, of, of agency versus brand the brand view is that the seo teams then are um the facilitators within the business that take great business sense and understand customers really really well and translate that into action across across different parts of the, of the business and departments mm. so as an seo you should be talking to your content team your ux team your engagement teams your um your it teams etc because you're able to facilitate change and provide the business casing to to do all the right things that your customers want with the benefit of search engines or whatever that happens to be wanting to provide. The agency side, you then need to package that up in a way that um, makes sense to buy as a service. And yeah. so it's really hard to say what you're buying as a service is me and my time, but, but as an expert to come into your business and really help you move your business forward, we have to package it up as a tech audit, a content audit, and these various different components. Um, so that so so and, and that's partly because of the way the agency model works, the idea of FTEs yeah. and hourly basis and that kind of thing, the way that we buy agency time. Interestingly, not the same in you know in and if you look at adjacent industries like business consultancy, management consultancy, and those kind of things, um, it's not always the same. Like the hours-based contract is not always the same as the value-based contract that we're starting to see come up. And e even if you look like lawyers, legal profession, etc., there's there's kind of points in, in that as well. Um, generally speaking there's a huge topic around the billable hour and what that really means and whether that's useful to industry moving forward. And actually yeah. that's a, that's a kind of, that's that, that transcends marketing, but it's still a valid point here, bringing it all the way back. How do you translate that in the interest? So as, as an agency, you say to your client, not only that you're going to do a technical audit and help them figure out what's wrong, but you're going to translate the actions of that audit into something that's meaningful for them. As in, you're going to figure out with their IT teams, what that means and how they deliver it. Mm. Um, not just point out that the canonical tags are broken. Um, and then you really try and ing ingrain yourself. And on the brand side, you have these people, you enable your search people to become these, these kind of, um, facilitators across business these support networks across business that bring bits together and help give you direction yeah i mean that that is fascinating and it's a, it's almost we could do a whole separate topic just on that couldn't we especially when you when you dive into you know what are we selling and, and what is worth what is worth selling 
Um, I, I, I'm kind of hoping I'm going to try and bring it back slightly to the to the keyword and content stuff now, just because I think otherwise we'll go down a rabbit hole. For sure, <laughs> we'll be we'll, we'll never get to we'll never get to what we we said we were going to talk about with you. Um, but that's no, that that's absolutely great, and I'm hoping that um, that will have definitely given some of our listeners food for thought. I think with um, with kind of what it is we're actually doing. I think at the end of the day. Um, but the the question I wanted to put to you now was um, we we want to come back to kind of your take on on keywords and content in SEO, um, as this was kind of what first uh, what first really stood out to me from what you were saying in that tea time SEO talk. Um, so can you sum up what is it that maybe differentiates your thinking from what um, from what you see as the more typical approach in SEO, which I would maybe define as keyword research, keyword targeting, and rank tracking to sort of put it sum it up in the in the keyword sense yeah so i mean for, first things first um there are i'm trying to remember the number off the top of my head 5.6 billion searches from google uh, in google every day i think that's the number that google keep talking about yeah google also say that 15 percent of searches every single day are totally brand new so if you do the math it's about 700 million 800 million searches a day that google yeah. has never ever seen before so first, so, so I just want to remember that, that that kind of is a first point before I go into the second bit. Yep. Um, also, I've, I've done a lot of research recently that looks into the delta curve, right? So what that, what, sorry, the, 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 um, the curve and, and sort of the delta between high value terms and, and long tail terms. And with more features coming into search, things like people also ask and um, more information directly to search results. What, what I'm seeing, and I'm hoping this is something you guys have seen too, but, but I think it's an industry yeah. we're seeing, is that people start their search with a really high velocity term mm -hmm. it could be engagement rings it could be mortgages it could be fast car right it doesn't really yeah. matter they're able to then facilitate the research either through um google directly so with the information they then served back and surfaced or through sort of third parties that help them research and enable that so then the next time you see that person searching again is the long tail mm. we've lost the mid tail a bit right so that so if you so if we think about this kind of traditional organic search curve with like keyword curve where you have the head terms, the mid tail and the long tail, you know, everyone focuses on the head tail because that's where the majority of the demand is. Then there's the mid tail. That's sort of half of the demand in most of the graphs I've seen. And then the long yeah. tail is the challenge is that the vol like the individual velocity of a single of searches behind a single term might be very, very low, but the velocity of low terms in terms of the total opportunity around the, uh, around the subject matter is incredibly mm. high and is far, far, far larger than the head terms or even the mid tail at this point. Yeah. So the reason what, so, so my approach and the reason I, the reason I think this is important is because, um, if we think about doing keyword research, well, first things first, this gives you in the mind that keywords are just a vehicle for moving search on, right? Mm -hmm. You search for something that you're looking for, whether you're in Google or you're in Amazon, it doesn't really matter. Um, you're searching for what you need, and that can be very specific to you. Um, mm -hmm. We are going to struggle to predict that in the future because people are going to figure out that they can search in far more complex ways and get far more sophisticated answers than if they just search for engagement rings, fast car, mortgage, bank account, and, and, and then go from there. Yeah. So I like the idea of keyword research at the macro level, understanding key trends, understanding when topics become like important to people and people really start to look for stuff. Sure. But then to use that as a way to optimize your site in the kind of traditional sense, to me, if you have a page that's about mortgages and you have a page about diamond rings and you talk about the diamond rings on that page, you yeah. don't need to hammer that point. You can talk about it and you can make it very clear from the context of what you're talking about. But the thing you're talking about is a mortgage, a bank account, a fast car. Um, yep. You don't have to say that continuously. Um, and also, you don't have to capture all the terms around it. 
and, and think about kind of what I guess we would have called vaguely semantic keyword optimization in sort of 2014, 15. Because yeah. um, search engines get it. Again, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not trying to optimize for a system anymore that matches words to words or even just words to documents, but really to the point we made earlier about entities, a system that recognizes, understands the meaning behind text in a way that we do as humans and can turn that into something that's meaningful, whether that's directing you to another website or to answer you directly in the search results or pushing you to a research place where they can facilitate and fulfill that obligate or that, that kind of obligation to you, that knowledge fulfillment point um, yeah. so that you come back later. So I'm also going to ask the same question I asked earlier because I think it's, it, it, it's kind of come back to it, which is what do we do with this strategically? So yeah. when we're specifically thinking about, you know, topics and ultimately on all of our websites, probably we're going to have to be creating some content at some point and we're going to have to pick topics for that content to talk about. Um, so how do we go about doing that if there's this kind of enormous um, long tail opportunity and so many different unique searches and all these different things we could be writing about? Um, if we're not just kind of going on this mid kind of mid tail question had 200 searches a month, if we're kind of taking that out of the equation, how are we deciding what's going to be the most valuable to the brands that we're working on? I think it's a great question. And I'm going to pull this back all the way back to the thing we started with, which was when we talked about tea time SEO and, we, and, and sort of some of the points we talked about in that session. Um, first things first, the reason I talked about the stats was and sort of made the point that, um, keywords are vehicles to drive action to continue searches. Actually, what we're saying is we're not focusing on keywords anymore, we're focusing on people and people's mm. interests. And so a really great way to establish what people are looking for and how people um, and, and what kind of content you're creating is to do the very thing I do every time I enter a new industry, which is put yourself in the mindset of the customer, start yeah. to search for things, start to learn and start to carry out that research journey yourself and see what's out there. And if you see there's a piece of research out there, as someone that knows a bit more about the industry at that point, that isn't quite fulfilling the needs, or you don't think it's quite fulfilling the needs, even if it's returned highly in Google, that's your opportunity. That's mm. the piece that you should be creating. Um, because even if someone, and even if a really high value competitor, really powerful competitors in the space, if they're not fulfilling the needs of that user, it, it's kind of moot at that point. That's, that's the way I'd go about it. And also you can start to identify kind of themes and, and leads from, from a lot of the data that you'd have as a business. So yeah. speaking more to your brand listeners firstly, but also as agencies you can get access to, you know, is to talk to people like the customer service teams to hear what customers are asking, not just the complaints department, but actually, you know, there's a lot, take, take fashion brands. Fashion brands constantly have people ringing up saying, you know, hey, I want to pair this. I'm going out the weekend. I want a new look that looks this. What do you suggest? And they're facilitating that through their, their comm strategy. Um, mm. Your customer service teams and kind of customer shopping teams, let's call them, um, have tons of data on that. Um, your frontline frontline sales teams, your people that are like, if you're in the SaaS world, or even if you know you're a travel agent with with a number of stores, the people that are meeting customers are going to talk about well. What do people want to know when they want to go on holiday in Greece? What do they care about the most? That's the content you should be prioritizing because that's what people are looking for online. It's just, yeah. it might not manifest as searches. It might manifest as customer demand in store. Yeah. Uh, and I think, Ben, we touched upon this again last month in the, the podcast. And really interesting, you mentioned around um, around 2013 and like semantic search. Because I think the first introduction of this, well, one of the introductions to this, Rick, was also like the hummingbird algorithm, which looked to focus on search intent. And I think also most recently, uh, with kind of like the BERT models being applied, I guess traditionally within SEO, um, 
the kind of the scope in terms of uh, the audience that you're missing with typically, I guess, spearheading content with like keyword volumes. Whilst I think it's important and I think it's something that we'll always do, we need to have an understanding that you're going to be missing so much like long tail variety of phrases, things like that, that, you know, the wider audience are actually searching. And it's not, you've got to go a lot more than just kind of, again, referring back to those 10 blue links, especially what you mentioned there, Rick, in terms of using company data behind that, using other search engines such as YouTube, but I think relying on other sources for that information in terms of what users are looking to acquire. Because I think whilst it's good to kind of use the keyword volume to kind of spearhead content and things like that, there has there's going to be so many kind of topics that you're going to be missing out by purely focusing on these numbers that you're being provided with. Mm. For sure. And, and I think, you know, it's it also kind of helps to write its own business case at the same time. Yeah. If you turn around to business and go, well, I think, you know, there's 300,000 pe people searching for Spanish holidays or holidays in Spain. Um, and I think if we do this, we can get to this position and we can drive this demand. And I think that, you know, that that's great. But as a business, someone that's got a forecast value and effectively hit a sales number, whether that's your, your performance director or a CMO or otherwise, you can't deal on I thinks, right? You can't mm. deal on, we think there's some data that would insinuate that this happens. If the customers are saying, look, I, I, I'm really interested in this and you can prove that your own customers are asking for it and you don't currently have it, that's a business case in of itself. Like if yeah. our customers are coming in store and asking this, we have not fulfilled their ob objective online. So that's the opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I love that. I love putting that as a business case in that way. Um, and I think it just makes the conversations a lot more maybe just a lot more kind of honest and real because the thing that comes to my mind as a, as a counter, not a counterpoint, but um, a, a contrast to that is, um, is situations where, where we've been asked, and I think probably most people in SEO come across this at some point where you're asked about like kind of what will happen if we get X keyword to position one, like what are we, what are we going to expect? And uh, if we, if we get these keyword improvements, what traffic is that going to lead to? And, that it can be in some sense maybe it can be a helpful conversation for setting expectations but it's really hard to deal in in kind of reality when it comes to that because all you're going is kind of guesses based off keyword data aggregation from third-party tools whereas if you're saying kind of um on a, as a contrast we know our customers are looking for this we and we don't provide it already we know they want this data then as a guarantee, we can say this information will be there and our customers will be more satisfied with that. And I just think that's so concrete and, and such a good, tangible thing to aim for. Yeah. And if you think about what it takes to be found for really high value searches, okay, the stuff that drives thousands and millions of users a month, right? It's having a technically sound website. So you're not going to get into the top three for any high value term unless you're really able to load quickly mm. and that, you know, or, or you're offering a great experience. Kind of keep that as table stakes. That's not, that's not the, that's not the competitive advantage. That's just that you have to have it or you're not even going to get there. Yeah. Um, what you need to do is remember we're dealing with a machine learning based system that understands the world in the way that we do you're dealing with patterns in data you need to show the search engines that when they surfaced you um against certain areas and certain topics that they 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 kind of know that, you, that the people driving these kind of high value searches are interested in or go on to search for that you had value so they can test you out they can try you on for these higher terms and that's how you build the the value over time what you won't be able to do and I mean, what I'm not going to get into here is like how Google processes bounce data and, and engagement data, because they've said a lot of times that they don't, but it's not, it's not really about that. So 
what I'm going to what, what I'm, I'm say is going to sound a lot like that, but, what, but I'm, I guess I'm saying think about the kind of the effects of it on just general gen, general kind of generally the market and the industry you're in. If mm. you focus on the stuff that's 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 super important to your customers, your customers buy from you. If they buy from you, they tell their friends they've bought from you. If they tell their friends they bought from you, they leave you reviews, and their friends mm. buy from you, and you create this collateral, this footprint of signals around your brand that ultimately. Search engines go, okay, you know what? This brand says they know about this. And I can validate that from all the mm. stuff I know about them. Mm-hmm. And so we can try you on for something more important or something more meaningful. And if you're successful because your content makes a lot of sense and is useful, then we can try you on something better and better and better. And that's how you grow over time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, we, we want to get into some of the more, I guess, some of the more kind of strategic stuff and looking at how we... I guess how we measure this, but just before we get there, as a as a content specialist, I have to ask um, one more sort of maybe nitty gritty question about the actual content we're making in these strategies that we're talking about. Sure. Um, and that is, I'm just fascinated to see how much you, I guess, try and I'm trying to think of the right term because I'm kind of thinking of sculpt, but I don't like that. You know, how much effort you put into optimizing the content in a more of an SEO sense. And when I ask that, I'm thinking about traditional things like keyword targeting, um, but also maybe kind of more emerging um, areas of optimization, like um, uh, maybe maybe making sure you're optimized for a featured snippet or something, making sure there's something that a search engine can pull out for that, or uh, thinking about how the page might be being picked up in FAQs, or people also ask, you know, all of those other things that are much more sort of SEO strategy or kind of SEO practices that maybe if you don't have SEO experience, you wouldn't think about. How much does that come into it when you're putting the users first? Is there a place for it? Or do you just write for users and assume that everything else will follow? Um, but I think this is, I think there's a point here which says is the, you know, that there's doing things for SEO is mutually exclusive from doing things for the users. I don't yeah. think it is. Yeah. Um, if you think about the things you need to do to be a featured snippet, all right, mm-hmm. you need to provide the search engine a really clear bite-sized chunk of information that makes sense to the user, basically, that they can serve back to, to the customers when, when someone searches something, right? Yeah. right? That's not a bad thing to put on your website if you're trying <laughs> to get your point across and user attention span is, is tiny because they're, they're flitting through different sites in the research stage, like, like how we set it up to look on the page or whether we wrap stuff around it. And I, I think there's always a point in this conversations to talk about things like markup and and, and, stru- and, and using structured data yeah. Um, yeah. To, 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 to determine these, right? Structured data is a way that takes a big chunk of text, which, you know, search engines can, can kind of really understand now, but way, and certainly way better than they could. Um, BERT was a massive step forward. Google's got future other technologies. I'm not talking about um, the recent, oh, what was it? I can't remember what it's called, but the one that, that everyone's talking about recently. Even back in January 2020, mm. uh, back in January 2020, they released something called Reformer, a Reformer technology, which is basically an extension on BERT. But like if BERT is the equivalent of going from like standing still to being able to take your first baby steps, the Reformer is the difference from going from taking your baby steps to doing becoming an Olympic athlete. It's like that that level of, of, of like progress. Um, yeah. So you've got you've got um you know but but again the systems need to need to pass data correctly and all you're basically doing is is with structured data is saying right your your knowledge graph is based on the concept of things connected to other things with a relationship and within those things you can define them in certain ways and what we call value pairs right this thing Mm. equals this thing right color equals red structured data is just the way you do that you can do that and, and and simplify the learning and passing process it doesn't mean the content isn't meaningful or important but it does yeah. give that hook in reality that the search engine can, can kind of latch onto and, and, and reconcile yeah. so that's important that's a thing that we do for seo that doesn't have an implication on the user i'm all for that 
That's yep. just good data structure. That's just good data um, management. Um, and, you know, that's never a bad thing. But actually on the page, simplifying content so that people can understand it. Yeah, you know what that might mean using certain words. That's not necessarily because we saw an opportunity to target it because it's another way of saying, I don't know, fixed rate mortgage. Mm-hmm. One, you don't want to bore people by saying the same thing over and over again. So kind of semantic keyword capture happens just because that's just good copywriting. And then two, the sooner you can get to your point, the better, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you don't want people to have to work hard to understand stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a point we've covered before, isn't it, Ed? Like how annoying it is when I don't, and I don't even know where this practice comes from, but where content really just buries the lead and you have to read through like five paragraphs of absolute rubbish before you get to the thing you actually care about. I think other, was that regarding the recipe listings? It was recipes. I also see it in sports articles all the time. And it's just... I don't know where it's come from because it's uh, it can't be good for search engines in any way and it's like it's not helping google with anything but it's also not helping users remotely so i just that kind of thing baffles me but what you're saying rick is uh makes a lot of sense um, you know, that, um recipe thing i think i saw an interesting tweet, tweet about this and um yeah I, i'm not 100 sure this is true but from my understanding the reason why a lot of recipes make their content long is because it allows them them to make that recipe copyrighted um so therefore then other websites can't look to be copying them so i'm sure obviously you know it worked well for seo but typically that's why a lot of recipe blogs out there look to make long form content around the recipes to make sure that they have the ability to make them copyrighted so just thought was quite interesting yeah that's why we keep you around ed that's a good bit of knowledge there if you're wondering what the history of like chicken patty is that's the reason why um well we've got we've got a few more minutes and i'm keen to just touch on maybe um kind of some some measurement side of this and and rick we can kind of stay in the in the broader sense so that this is kind of applicable to i guess more more people listening but if we're if we're moving away from the the pure keyword focused and, and keyword ranking approach um what is it that you really care about in an seo strategy like what what's showing you at the end of the day that that everything you've talked about so far is having a positive effect. So I think when you take your head out of kind of SEO world um, and you start to learn all about the other channels that are out there and you start to, to understand the drivers behind it or completely different, you go and work for a vendor for a year, um, <laughs> you realize that the only thing that matters at the end of the day is revenue. Right. Like yeah. what your biz, what your part of the business is doing to help the business drive the business forward. Now, OK, in, I say revenue in some businesses that might be sign ups and that might be conversions because they're not yeah. a revenue driving business. But but there is a conversion metric that has a meaningful amount to it that, you know, or meaningful known quantity to it that you're moving towards. And everyone has their role. Right. If I take programmatic display and I'm trying to measure the impact of programmatic display, I am not expecting that channel to drive me direct sales. So I wouldn't measure it as such, but its role is still to drive revenue because I might recognize that value through uh, through direct or through the impact, the halo effect on, on organic and perhaps a little bit on paid search as well. So yeah, so to me, how do you measure it? Well, it has to come down to the value you're driving to business in terms of revenue, but it's understanding the the steps, the path to that. Case in point, you have a piece of content that's amazing, that's all about something that's high level, top of funnel, research led, and you're trying to measure that on value in terms of sales and revenue produced directly from link clicks, like that ain't gonna work for you. Like you're not gonna see any value because that's not the point. Um, But you can see traffic and you can see bounce rate and bounce rate equivalent to, um, you know, other things, the other parts of your site and 
some people and, and this is you know not a hard and fast metric because some people land on an article and read an article read the whole article and then bounce into the next thing and that's perfectly fine mm. but it's understanding the user data metrics not from an implication of well if we have high bounce rate google's going to not favor us like that's not the thing it's if people are not staying on your site, there's a reason for it. And that's the stuff you need to focus on improving or, or doing more around. Or if yeah. it's the opposite and, and they're staying on your site and they're not bouncing or they're clicking the links or they're eventually converting when you look through your, your kind of multi-touch path reports, um, then then that's great. Like you can you can understand the value that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so good. I really like that. And I'm, as you speak, I'm kind of thinking of examples where um, – where, where typically, particularly in more niche industries, actually, this obviously applies more widely, but I'm thinking for the ones where it's it's really hard sometimes even to just get a sense of what people are looking for in that industry. I'm thinking of kind of really like high level software. It's really technical stuff that as the agency or, or as an SEO coming in fresh, it's really difficult to understand. But actually, these signals can give us such tangible evidence for how people are engaging with that and give us a starting point to say, or even if we maybe don't understand all the ins and outs of it immediately. We can see how how the real customers are engaging with it. And then we can speak to the experts to say, well, people are bouncing off this piece of content. It's clearly not, it's not engaging them. Like the vast majority just leave and don't engage with us again. So how can we tweak this? How can we use your knowledge to make this more useful? Um, and, and I just think that's such a great conversation starter that I think will be really helpful to a lot of people listening. Yeah, and I think there's 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 to me there's almost three metrics that people don't consider that I think are just really important before you start a strategy before you start anything right. One is the total addressable market. Like, what is the amount of people that we can go after that we think are going to be interested? What's the max demand yeah. out there? And actually, search data is a really great way of understanding that because you get search volumes that are indicative and you can understand size of market and market trends. So, yeah. keyword research really great at helping your clients understand or your your business understand total addressable market. That's point one. Yeah. Second thing is the sales pipeline. Understanding and, and whether that sales and look, you could be an FMCG brand like I don't know, take Cadbury's. Your sales pipeline is we hit you with an ad on a billboard. You then go into Tesco and buy from us and so actually you're buying a D to D to C that's a D to D to C deal because we're going to sell to a distributor who's going to sell to Tesco's or yeah. maybe we sell to Tesco's already it doesn't matter like, there's still a sales path there and understanding where you fit and the activity you're doing into that sales path helps you understand the measurement requirements for that activity you also know what the next step is and what you then need to measure as a, as a kind of as an impact of that so it's kind of cause and effect at that point um, and then the final thing is understanding and you I, you don't hear SEOs talk about this as much but is understanding the attribution model right mm. is and I don't mean like should we use first touch sell last touch etc but it's a case of going right if I've got direct and direct on last touch is driving me 20% of my revenue and it's actually driving me 10% on first touch well the only way someone that's come through direct would have known about me is if they've seen me mentioned in, a, in an ad that then hadn't clicked through to our site yeah. you can start to fill in the gaps and the impacts of what you're doing case in point if you're doing outreach work and you've worked with an influencer and you want to start to understand the value of the influencer marketing look at your directories look at your direct um, sales on a first touch basis because they're people that have seen stuff outside your website and then come through and bought from you directly yeah that's a really yeah. interesting i think it relates back to your earlier point rick in terms of the way that understanding how your audience searches because it could be for all we know and in that we know this happens is that even if you rank say number one for a specific keyword that user takes that product and then goes straight to youtube searches for it and you really want to own that space in terms of that video promoting that product or that brand or anything like that and then through that kind of um i guess confirmation of it being a good product for the video or not 
they can come back to your website through that search and then look to acquire, or it could be that then they go to next step in terms of looking at another product by another website. I think it's just kind of from that attribution um, model and understanding how users look to search and purchase or sign up or anything like that, understanding what steps they now take, because we know it's not just a case of them always landing on that page and converting straight away. What other content or information is out there that we can look to be visible for that can help, you know, hopefully influence that that purchase or sign up. Yeah, and then you think about the role of media in all of that. And look, organic, you could you can apply the principles of the role of media to organic because organic, although we I love I love organic kind of as marketers, we've got to the point where we think about it as if it's a brand brand marketing channel and activation, but we measure it as if it's a performance marketing channel, and we wonder why the top doesn't equal the bottom. It's just like there's a point here which is understanding the role of the media, which is either A, to change behavior, customer is already on a path and you need to divert them somewhere else, mm. B, reinforce the message, customers on your path and therefore you want them to continue down that path, or three, open their ideas and give them a new new viewpoint, which is that neither, it's not really strong enough as customers already decided on what they want and therefore you need to change that behavior quickly. It's more about leading them down a way that then eventually leads to you. It's also, you know, it's also not just closing that sale. Mm. Um, understanding the role of the media and, and that that's you know the content you're creating, but even down to you know your internal linking strategy and your site structure, if you can get a sense of that and you can start to think about your organic strategy, content development, and any of the technical parts that you've got um, in the context of like the sales pipeline and the role of media, you can really prioritize stuff effectively. There's no point working on site speed on your content articles if all of your customers right now are struggling to convert. You know, you need to be focusing on those pages. They're not going to offer a lot in terms of search volume, but they are going to, if, if, if as a result, you start to go from position five to position one for your product terms, then you'll sell more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that attitude is really important to remember, particularly for, for SEOs and agencies, because it's just, a, it's a lot more holistic, isn't it? Than, than maybe what we're looking at. Um, because some of what you're saying, they're going into user experience, even um, CRO conversion rate optimization can come into play a part when you're looking at what kind of what's going to be the most impactful. And and I think just seeing how our data can tie into other channels and what they're doing is such a massive way that we can add value as SEOs. But if we're just like in an SEO team in an agency, we're maybe a bit blinkered and, and not necessarily thinking beyond, right, what are we going to implement that is going to have the impact that we want it to have within our sort of narrowly defined SEO channel? which I think brings it all the way back to the very first thing we discussed, which is the role of SEO and the way that agencies deliver SEO activity or the way that clients ask for SEO activity to be delivered from their agency. If a client comes to you guys or, or you know, if you're a client that's listening and you go to your SEO agency and say, hey, I need a tech audit, and then the only thing you're expecting is a document from your agency. You don't give them the means to then go and help your IT team uh, realize it and deliver it. Mm. All you're going to end up with is a piece of paper that tells you a load of stuff. You're not yeah. going to end up with business value. What you've got is a group of people that have done this for lots of people and understand businesses really well who can not only deliver the list of stuff, but also in your specific context with your specific setup, help you deliver that in a way that's meaningful. I think, you know, brands need to bring their agency partners in closer, particularly on the SEO side, because that's where the value gets realized. Yeah. And I think that's the important bit. And I think also, I think <laughs> this is going into kind of the whole like auditing model as well. I feel like <laughs> it needs to be less about fixing things and I think yes there are short-term wins in terms of fixing our you know fixing areas of websites and things like that but ultimately the thing that's going to drive value in the long term is implementing processes because mm -hmm. you know, for example going away and like fixing loads of 
you know, back, broken backlinks to out of stock products. Whereas actually, what's going to be the more effective route is putting a out of stock solution in place where you mm -hmm. look to that link authority and making sure, again, it's not an audit to necessarily fi fix things, but an audit to kind of help implement a process within that business that drives the value long term. Yeah, for sure. And and I and I, I like the I know like the other the other space the counter arguments is, is as an agency. <laughs> You know, we, I'm not saying you guys, I'm just broadly speaking as agency. I've been yeah. agencies, I, you know, I've worked close to with and been a part to, you know, seen, seen work from agencies that, that clearly represent this. As an agency, we can create a document that we can check you against a load of stuff. And actually, the 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 the, the cost for the audit is is um, is not, you know, is, is a markup for us. There's a way we make money out of that, which is, you know, we, 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 we have automated solutions. We're really good at running audits. We're super efficient. And by the way, that's just how business works. I don't want to think about this and saying, well, we're not getting value. Like, you are getting value. You get the audit document you've asked for that's yeah. absolutely flawless um but it's you know it's, it's how businesses work every business is trying to make themselves more efficient so agency might turn around and go well, why do we do this why do we care about building relationships with our clients well because if you want to extend the conversation contract past um, past the initial audit and frankly past the first renewal second renewal build that yeah. long-term partnership you need stickability and this gives you stickability this gives you that consultancy factor that's why businesses work with your ernst and jones sorry your um sorry your ernst young jones is, is one of the jewelry brands i'm looking for um <laughs> Ernest, um, Ernest, um, I can't remember the things, but like you, KP, I'm going to use another example. KPMGs, yeah. Deloitte, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's why they stick around for tens of years because they build business values through their expertise. Yeah. yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, I'm I'm happy to start to bring it to a close here. Ed, did you have anything else you wanted to ask before we finish? Um, I was just going to uh, uh, maybe a few minutes just on this one of these final questions, which I think would be not only useful for myself, but I think a lot of people. I watched a great um, YouTube. Well, it was a podcast by Alida Solis towards the end of last year, and she was with um, James Brockbank and uh, Kevin Indig, I think, yeah, new uh, SEO director of uh, Shopify, and they were kind of defining what SEO strategy is. Um, and a lot of the episode was kind of understanding SEO tactics versus SEO strategy. You know, looking to improve click-through rate from meta descriptions is a tactic, not an SEO strategy. And it was they discussed around that you know an SEO strategy can't be replicated across businesses because they're so unique. And I think it's, it brings back to what you mentioned, Rick, in terms of all it comes down to at the end of the day is revenue or like signups and things like that. And I guess my question would be, and I guess it's useful coming from someone that is now like a search director, I guess, in-house and, and has that position, is what is the best way to kind of an aligner SEO strategy with a business goal? And I understand that's quite a big question, but I think, I, I know you've mentioned thinking about like the audience, but for example, taking a, a wider business goal, such as like increasing revenue from this market, such as like the US or something like that. I think, what do you find works quite well when you're trying to align uh, strategies to, uh, well, SEO strategies to a, a business goal? So I'm gonna give you two answers. One is going to be super specific, and I hope everyone picks it up and runs with it. Yeah. Um, and two is going to be kind of my vague, vague pontificating answer that you know I'm sure someone will see the hidden meaning in. First things first, shout out to those guys because they're awesome. Kevin, James, Elada, the the three people that I absolutely you know I, I follow and and you know I've, I'm I'm friends with etc. So shout out those guys. Um, right, the vague answer is, um, but it, it's still it's still important is. Um, you, you can't really understand the business until you understand the business. So the first thing to do is before you start any strategy is to start figuring out your plan. What, what are the data pieces that you need to start answering the brief? So it's fine that the business goes, right, I need to increase US revenue by 20% or 30%. The first thing you need to understand is, right, what's our marketing plan for that, for that market? Like, 
we want to increase revenue, but are we going to be putting in any new media and new concept behind it? Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Second thing is, what's our market share? Are we maxing demand right now? Because if we are, we can't do any more than we're already doing. We have to think of other ways. Um, because, and, and I think those two are important because that gives you a sense of actually, are we going to have something we can push and therefore support, whether that's with content ideation, new parts of the site, new product lines, new e-commerce platforms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or is the role thinking about how we diversify our media, our, our, um, our revenue channels? Because actually right now we're only selling in this way, but we should be selling in this way and this way. And, that, and I think this is, I think that's something that should happen at the leadership level before it gets to search, but search can feed into because we have the data and insight on what our audience is doing, what demand we're capitalizing on, what the size of the market is and market opportunities. So um, that's kind of the, the, the vague answer. How do you put an SEO strategy together? No, and I agree with the point, it's, it's unique to every business. Um, you kind of start with what does the business want to achieve? What does it think it's got to do in terms of room to grow? And also, or, or if we're not room to grow, how does it has it plan to diversify itself so that it can grow um and then what's it going to do to support that because then you go right we've got three campaigns a year we probably need to support that with some content we also need to figure out what the campaign's about and start understanding what consumers would want to think about in relation to it that's your content plan we know that it's going to focus on this side of the site this side this this part of the site great we need our speed up we need our ux up we need to understand the conversion path that's your tech plan done and then any any kind of footprint building stuff on top of that um and I've, I've intentionally bucketed it in three ways that I very rarely talk about, which is, I guess, tech content links. Yeah. But I don't want to get started on the content links conversation because we'll be here for literally all day with me. <laughs> but that's, that's just, you know, that's a good thing. So the very specific answer is um, there's a framework that I've actually, I've been using since, I guess, 2000 and I want to say 15, I think it might be 2016 when um, Alison James, shout out Alison James, she was a strategy director, I think at the time at iCrossing, one of the first agency I worked for. Mm -hmm. She presented a strategy for one of our clients where she talked about this framework called SOSTAC, S-O-S-T-A-C. Um, I've used SOSTAC pretty much from that moment throughout my career. So, so first things first, when you're building an SEO strategy, no more than 30 slides. If you cannot convey everything you need to convey in 30 slides, you've lost the, you, you will have lost the, uh, the, the interest of the audience, even if they're super engaged with you. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, 30 slides is the maximum, not the target. Um, <laughs> SOSTAC then is situation objectives, um, uh, situation objectives, strategy, tactics, actions, and control. So it's where are we today? As in, do we have room to grow? What are the, what's our market doing? As in, what competitive landscape? Um, what do we think are our kind of our internal challenges and what do we think are external threats? And I know that sounds like a swap because it kind of is, but that really does a good job of conveying the external factors that you can consider. Yeah. Your objectives, we want to grow revenue by 30 million or we want to grow revenue by 20% or we want to drive a thousand new leads through the, through the channel a month. That's your objective. Your strategy is almost a one-liner that helps, that, that's, the, that's the response to that, which should, which should basically summarize everything else that comes in a really, in sort of comes after in a nice sentence. So if someone turns around to you in the street and think about it, if you're a salesperson, you have an elevator pitch, it's kind of the same thing. If your CMO talks to you and says, hey, what's your strategy? You turn around and go, well, the strategy is, and you, you can basically just verbatim talk the three lines through. And it's simple and everyone understands it. Your, 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 your tactics then, the bits that come off that. So what are the, so if, you, if your strategy is a one-liner, what are the 10 things you need to do? Key projects or key, key roadmap items. Your actions are, how do you get there? And then your control is, how do we know if we've done a good job or not? And, and not just do we know, and that's not just the lines gone up and to the right, that's, well, we tried these 10 things and actually three out of them didn't work. And we understand that in this way, or we couldn't deliver them in time. And that's, and that's the reason why we couldn't. So we're going to take that forward to next year's um, plan and make sure we do it in a different way. 
that's that's so good. I think, and I was also very impressed you were able to explain that. Yeah, for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think Ed, if you're happy, I think that's a brilliant note to end on because that's a, a really practical takeaway at the end of yep. of a session that I think has had lots of takeaways already. Awesome. All right. Well, Rick, uh, as we do with all our guests, the last question is, uh, how can people find you on social media? And is, is there anything else you would want to make our audience aware of to look out for? Uh, how can you find me on social media? I'm on LinkedIn. Rick Rodriguez is my name. Um, just just do a search. I can't remember what URL is. I don't think anyone remembers their LinkedIn URL. <laughs> just some numbers um, and stuff in there. Just some numbers and stuff, yeah. Just have a guess and you'll probably find me at some point. There's enough combinations you can try. Uh, and Twitter, I do Twitter as well, at Rick Rodriguez underscore UK. The worst Twitter handle in the world, but hey. Uh, That's all right. We'll put, a link, we'll put a link to it in the uh, show notes and in the blog that goes live with this. People should be able to find you easy enough. Uh, awesome. And then just, just I, I say this in everything I, I, I do, which is SEO is so focused on where we've come from and trying to do things in a way that makes sense to where we've come before. But the search engine world and the information retrieval world and technology is moving so fast now that if we don't just kind of fully throw ourselves into what the future is, we're going to not only be like slightly behind, we're going to be years behind without even knowing it. So keep an open mind is my, my guess, what I always say. Brilliant. Well, that, that is excellent. Thank you, Rick. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. It was everything I hoped the episode would be. There's there's so much in there that I think will be really great for our audience. Um, and we'll we'll wrap it up there. So that is everything for this week's Rank Up podcast episode. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with more on-page SEO content. Now that we're well into 2021, we want to get back doing this regularly after we've had a, a few weeks off over Christmas and the new year. And we're excited to be able to continue to bring you a variety of voices from within the SEO industry. Um, but in the meantime, as always, we really appreciate it if you could leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, that massively helps us um, become more visible across all different podcast channels. And of course, you can always contact uh, Ed and myself on Twitter at edjtw with two d's and i'm at ben j gary with two r's um, and everything that we do over at impression including this podcast is available on impression.co.uk slash blog um, so if you're looking out for what we're doing in the meantime you can find everything there and as always we also highly recommend checking out womenintechseo.com slash speakers which is a great way to find fantastic tech SEO writers and speakers. And I believe uh, as of recording this, they've just launched a new uh, SEO newsletter as well. Uh, so do go over to the website and have a look at that. And that will do it. Rick, thank you again so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. It's been awesome. And Ed, thank you for joining me as always. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and again, thanks, Rick. That was, uh, that was amazing and uh, mind-blowing at times. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> Well, we will be back in a couple of weeks for hopefully another mind-blowing episode uh, and another instalment of on-page conversation. We will see you then. Bye.